Welcome to Dose of Support. We are an interdisciplinary show that highlights healthcare workers. We share stories and self-care in healthcare every week. I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a healthcare worker just like you. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider. Our guests are not your healthcare provider, and we're not giving healthcare advice here. Seek out care from your own healthcare provider. This podcast, host, guests, and associated social media platforms are not representing an employer or organization. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. Hello, Dosies. Welcome back to another Dose of Support and happy Nurses Week 2021, which starts on May 6th, the day after this podcast airs, and ends on May 12th, which is Florence Nightingale's birthday. There's a lot of issues around Florence Nightingale, but what I wanted to say about her was she was a rich white lady that decided to do some good work, which is awesome. But in the last few decades of her life, she was a hermit, shut herself into her home, was known to have mental health issues, and some people have termed it as PTSD, likely from the work that she saw in the war. And in nursing, even with all of the money and power that she had, there was still nothing that was available to her at the time that could really treat her PTSD. Now, what has changed? What has changed in healthcare? We know a lot more about mental health now. The science in the science and technology in healthcare has advanced greatly. Like we we know so much more about what's happening with our patients. We know more about why and what that means. But how far have we really come? When nurses over this last year have endured trauma, and really, like, even before this last year, as you guys know from my previous episodes, like, it was, it was always bad. So what have we learned? How can we move forward? How can we feel better? What I want by producing Dose of Support is for all healthcare workers to feel like there's a place that they can go to discuss what they see at work to discuss the hard things, and to have some like new ideas to help yourself feel better. Employers are not coming for you. You know, like organizations are not coming to save us. So us as healthcare workers, we need to find the things that help us. Like I've said before, that that needs to be fluid and change with what you're going through. And so let Dose of Support be kind of that friend that you can talk to about what's going on and maybe get some ideas from. So nurses want better staffing. Nurses want safe working environments. Nurses want better support at the bedside. Nurses want to work, you know, less than 40 hours a week and have adequate time off in between shifts. Nurses want a lot of things that just aren't going to happen, at least not yet. So how do we support each other? How do we find help when we need it? And Dose of Support can maybe be part of that for you. Thank you for being here and enjoy this episode with Kim Ellis, the Diabetes NP. Welcome back to Dose of Support. And if you're just joining the party now, buckle up. Kim Ellis is the diabetes nurse practitioner. She holds a master's degree in nursing and uses over a decade of experience to empower other healthcare workers to serve patients with diabetes better. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. 
We are so lucky to have a diabetes expert here. I think that a lot of people feel a little uncomfortable with this subject. Yeah. So, and that's un that's unfortunate, but we need to learn a little bit more about you. My first job out of school was in the NICU in Atlanta, Georgia, and oh. I loved it. I was also engaged to my now husband in, it was about 2008, 2009, and that was when we really had hit a, what is it called, a recession in our yes. country. And yes. so my the plan was for my husband to get a job to come to Atlanta. We were going to start our lives. It was going to be happy, happily ever after, but you know, he couldn't find a job down there. He couldn't leave his job and come down there. And so me being the nurse, I was like, well, I can get a job anywhere. And yeah. so I moved back to Knoxville and unfortunately Knoxville is much smaller than Atlanta. They only had like two NICUs in the whole city and people don't leave the NICU. And so they didn't have any job openings and neither did the pick you or nothing. And so I quickly was able to get a job as uh, in a trauma step down unit, kind of, it was called the progressive care unit. Yeah. And I transitioned into adult nursing and um, probably about a year and a half later, I decided to go back to school and do uh, an accelerated program um, in East Tennessee at Lincoln Memorial University. And so we went straight through, we had no breaks. And so it was about, it was like, we would literally get like a week off for Christmas and go right back. And so anyways, and so I did that. I walked across the state, the stage and got in a car and drove to Texas. And so, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you're like young and married. You're like, ah, we can do whatever we want. And so that's what <laughs> we did. And so we moved out to Texas. And from there, I was, uh, my first job as an MP uh, was in uh, primary care. You may have heard on the show, but I also lived in Texas for about four years. And that's where my husband is from too. So I know the area well. And <laughs> as soon as you came on the podcast, I was like, listen to that accent. Yeah. Oh Lord. Like it is just it's great. And now we kind of know like it's from multiple places in the South. Yes. yes, I am a country girl through and through. Oh, wonderful. So you are a nurse practitioner working almost full time or full time right now? I am. I work full time and our current the current role that I'm in is is like community health. So I actually go into people's homes and I do wellness visits, do a lot of education and that's really where I started with diabetes is because I saw that a lot of the patients first off um, every patient I saw was rather diabetic or had prediabetes and people really didn't even know anything about it. And yeah. so just trying to be the liaison between them and their doctor, at first you think, okay, maybe they just don't understand. But then I started to wonder, are we as the providers actually educating enough for the patients to actually get it? And yeah. so, and the answer is no, it's almost like we have to be there when they're in their home like watching them take their blood sugar, watching them administer their own insulin, like watching that happen to know that they're getting it um, or not getting it. Um, yeah. So, okay. So this is a different type of NP role. Uh, so can you explain what is a day in the life as a community health NP look like? So really a big thing with community health is education. And a lot of the times, because you're out in the community, you don't have a lot of 
resources in your hands. So you have to partner with the community, you know, and you have to be very well abreast with what's going on in the community so you can point people in the right direction. But it's so in line with nursing, right? Because like we are the advocates and we do, you know, we do connect the dots. So it's not far from what we do anyway. And so, so basically I do a lot of driving. I go into areas for me. Now this may not be every community health nurse, but I actually go into homes and the population that I serve is the elderly and the retired population. So I'm going into the home and I'm immediately trying to see any resources that I can have for them, whether it be home health, whether it's um, social, you know, I've gone into people's homes where they needed help with um, utilities. They needed help with food, transportation. You know, I've even had to call, uh, call adult protective services, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like a lot of it, you're just kind of looking around to make sure that, you know, our elderly population is safe, you know, and then sitting down and really trying to help them understand what's going on with them. Because a lot of times when people go into the clinics, they only get 15, 20 minutes with their provider. Right. Well, we have about an hour with them. That's wonderful. Yes. And so I do in-home labs. Um, I hand out, I have a ton of education and handouts that I can send out to them. And for me personally, I even do more than just what my, my employer sends with us. Like I have found resources um, to help them in our area, specific in our area, in the demographic that I serve. So whether that be something at a library, a, com- a senior community center. So it's a lot of that, just sitting and talking and um, really just trying to, you know, kind of organize their care. A lot of people like it must be good to be see them in their environment and mm-hmm. see what they're working with. You're like meeting them where they're at and people really need that. And when they're coming into the clinic, it's not on their terms. And so it, it might even be more comfortable for them and feel safer for them to share with you what they're struggling with um, because they're in they're in their home and they're they feel safer that way, maybe. Yeah. Okay. How many patients do you think you see a day? Well, I can see up to eight. Okay. But because I tend to work a 10 hour shift. And so they give, uh, they take an account drive time because I, I cover a whole county. Okay. So, and so I have to drive and then I have to also allow myself at max an hour. Normally it doesn't take that long. Um, it used to, <laughs> but it doesn't take that long anymore. So I can see up to eight and, um, or, you know, I could see one. I've had some days where I've only seen one because people, we don't force people to see us. So of course everything is, you know, if you don't want to have a visit, you don't want us in your home, you don't feel comfortable with that. That's fine as well. To put that in perspective for the listeners, a provider at a clinic sees about four patients an hour, if not mm-hmm. more. And mm-hmm. so this is really the difference in, you know, Kim is really able to give so much more to people in, and, and elderly folks probably shouldn't be driving to the clinic in some cases, or, you know, don't have transportation, don't have the means to get to the clinic. Yeah. Um, so it's a wonderful service that you're providing. Yeah. Um, do you feel like 
your role as a nurse practitioner is represented in the media? No, okay. I don't. I don't. I, I don't feel that like either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like when you say that, that really caught me. I was like, hmm. And I was like, actually, no. <laughs> I don't think that nurses in general really get represented like we should. But nurse like, practitioner, oh, go ahead. Well, nurses, nurses are mentioned in the media quite mm-hmm. often, but it's so misrepresented. Yeah. Well, I think the problem that we just have in general with nursing is that there's so many different levels of nursing. People really don't even know what a nurse practitioner is. I mean, I'll be honest, I come across so many like physicians that don't really know what to do, (laughs) you know, with us, you know? And, and so if you say people, there's so many people that use the term nurse that people don't understand the distinction between them. And we're all good. We all, we need us all. Yeah. There's room for all of us. Yes, it really is. And so when you start getting into the different levels of like CRNAs and, you know, like nurse anesthetists, and you start talking about midwives and then, you you know, people really don't even know the difference between a midwife and a doula. The general public doesn't. And so right. when it comes to like nurse practitioners, you know, I have been called everything from Oh, an assistant to the doctor, a PA to a to a a, a nurse in training, a doctor in training. I, I, people don't know who we yeah. are, you know. Yeah, it, it's hard because unless you're in healthcare, and even then, in healthcare, people don't know. And yeah. so then you go to serve patients and help patients. And how how can you? instill confidence other than being awesome, which I'm sure you are. But I think there's that extra barrier that, you know, because we're not MD behind our Mm -hmm. name, that Mm -hmm. we have to prove so much more, we have to show up so much more. And then, you know, we also have the fact that we're women, you yeah. have to you have to prove so much more and show up so much mm-hmm. more. And I'm sure you have a different intersectionality as well as a woman of color. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure that you have to work even harder to be yes. taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that at all? Have you had experiences around that? Oh, yes. Since the very beginning, and especially with the elderly, I think they're a generation that when they were growing up, what the medical professional was when they were growing up was the older man. So not only am I a woman, not only am I a black woman, I'm also a young woman. So it's like, who is this whippersnapper trying to tell me about my medicine? And I, to be honest, it's not just I get it from everyone, not just people who are um, of the opposite race for me. It's from everyone because in people's mind, it has to be this older man with white hair, with glasses (laughs) in a doctor's bag who is white and has been doing this since he was, you know, 20 years old and now he's 70. And so it's like you have to really come in and let your knowledge and your um, you have to let that speak for you. You know, yeah. so once I start sitting down and I start using medication, I start talking about their medications and I start educating them and I start doing things like that. They're like, oh, OK, she knows a little something. <laughs> 
Well, that's awesome. So, all right, Kim, let's take a break. And when okay. we come back, Kim is going to tell a story from practice and we'll talk some self-care in healthcare. So stay tuned. Well, that was a nice break. Welcome back to Dose of Support. We have Kim Ellis with us, our diabetes nurse practitioner, and she's here to tell a story. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, so I really want to just talk about when I was a new grad nurse. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I went into the ICU. And if there are any nurses that um, started in the ICU, um, and I don't know if this is really happening now, but there's this term that's called nurses eat their young. And I felt, I feel like I was eaten up, <laughs> you know, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't quite ate up and spit out, but, um, I definitely, um, had a lot of older nurses that really nitpicked me a lot. Um, you know, um, I, didn't do anything and I'm in full transparency as a brand new nurse, you're going to make mistakes, but I didn't do anything that warranted the type of treatment that I had. And I had a preceptor actually, um, that really had it in for me. And because of her, I had to stay on, I had to stay on, um, orientation, like extra long, you know, and it really, 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 really messed up. Like I spent many tears crying. I'm like, what did I do to this woman? And it would be something really simple, you know, and I, it would be something that everybody on the, you know, on the, the unit would do like something simple. And it would be like, she would go and tell the manager and she would go and tell the charge nurse. And then I would be pulled into the office and they're like, well, we don't do this here. And I would be like, well, she taught me how to do this. And they're like, and she would get in there and say, no, I didn't. I didn't do this. And I'm like, Aww. what is, you know, and it was, and new, new nurse, new city, didn't live. I wasn't from Georgia. And I mean, I really thought I was going to lose the job or I was going to quit. Aww. You know, I mean, I really did. You know, I really, it wasn't really until I became, to be quite honest with you, where I really got my um, confidence as a nurse. It wasn't until I went to nurse practitioner school and I was precepted by a pediatrician, a physician. And he told me, he told me, he said, um, you should have became a pediatrician because you <laughs> actually, he did. He was like, you're very smart. You're better than some of my medical students, you oh, know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I and, know a lot of nurses like that. And yeah, they used to be nurses that it's the choice. It's not necessarily like they weren't smart enough. That's, it's so interesting that hearing that validation from him was really meaningful for you. Yes. I busted out in tears because oh. I had never had anyone like up until that point, I was the only person motivating and encouraging myself. Yeah. Never, never a charge nurse, never a manager. And it had to come from somebody who wasn't even a nurse. Wow. You need to keep doing this. Like, I wish I used to joke with him and I said, well, you know, I have too much of a big of a heart to be a doctor. That's what I would tell him. And we would just <laughs> kind of joke. And he knew I was moving to Texas. And he was like, I really wish you wouldn't move to Texas because I would hire you oh, right out. Yes. That's wonderful. And I just started crying. And he was like, oh, my gosh, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, nurses are doctors, too. 
So I'm just going to throw that out there. And in certain states, in certain states, nurse practitioners are still, you know, legislatively, the American Medical Association has lobbied against nurse practitioners so that we have to always be working in a partnership with a physician. And sometimes that is a wonderful thing, but sometimes physicians abuse that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's really hard is, is we're always seen as less than in, in a lot of those states. And I know Texas is one of those states where there isn't independent practice. Um, Yes. I'm up in Minnesota and we do have independent practice and oh. I still I still partner with all of my colleagues to make, you know, tough decisions when they when I need help, you just I think as a nurse practitioner one of the important things is knowing when you need to consult a specialist or knowing when you need to reach out to a different type of provider for help. Yes. Um, and so it's really interesting that it sounds like this physician was very supportive of the nurse practitioner role and supportive of you. It sounds like you just, you guys would have worked well together. And it's so nice that you got encouragement from him. Well, his wife actually is a nurse. She was actually okay. in school with me um, going through the nurse anesthetist program. So oh he, my knew, God. he knew okay. better. He knew he better. Knew, yeah. <laughs> We know who runs that house. Okay. All right. So you go through this almost a hazing experience that really a lot of new nurses go through, especially in an intensive care environment. There is a hazing process. There is lateral violence. There is bullying. And it is a huge problem in nursing. And I think the general public trusts nurses so much but if they knew what really went on like yeah. behind the scenes, like would they? Um, and so how did you get through that? Well, a lot of the times, because, you know, the culture kind of tells us that we're always to give, give, give. And, you know, early on, you feel kind of guilty to like take time off, especially like if you're not sick or anything like that. But the organization that I worked for, they actually had, first off, you didn't have to call in to actually talk to a person. They actually had a line and you actually had the option to say that it was a personal decision for you to call in and you wouldn't even get dinged for it. So um, the organization that I work for the hospital, they were very, very good to their nurses. My unit was not always the best, but um, you, I really took that time. Like if I felt mentally burnt out and especially in the ICU and you have patients in there, we had some babies that stayed in there for a whole year that could yeah. burn anybody out. And you can only imagine the things that we saw and we had to deal with. Sometimes you just needed to step back. And so for me, it was like, and I even do this now, you know, I normally schedule time off, even if I'm not like sick or it's vacation. Every so many months, I'll just take a week off. You know, I'll save up my PTO and I'll just take time off and I'll do the things that fill my cup. I'm a runner. And so I like to run. I love to go to the spa. I love to read. And I just I really took that time to really like figure out what are the things that you like to do that really kind of fill up your tank, Kim. So when you go back, you're not distracted. You're not feeling like because 
as a nurse, you have to bring your full and your best self as a yeah. nurse practitioner. Your mind has to be clear because you're making decisions that, you know, can be life or death. And so you can't be distracted. And so if my if I feel like I'm foggy, I don't hesitate to say, you know what, maybe today or half, I may, be, I may just need to take a half day. Okay. So like, Kim, pump the brakes because I need to know what you get done at the spa. Oh, so I go to it. Have you ever heard of the types of spas that are like the all day spas? And they, the one here that I go to is a Korean bathhouse. Oh, and snap. Everybody's yeah. naked. Everybody's naked well, at those. Uh, well, only in the locker room and it's just around women, but nobody's looking at you, you know. And so, but they give you a uniform when you go out into the general area and it's so quiet. You can't wear shoes in there. And I just, I just sit and I'm normally there. There's no clocks in there. There's no windows. And it's like, I go there and I'm there for like eight hours and I come outside and it's dark. And like my husband always knows when I go that I'm going to be there all day and I take naps, <laughs> I get massages. I mean, I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And so what I've heard from Korean spas is they like scrub you down. Like mm -hmm. they scrub you, like they slough all your skin off. Sorry for the folks listening. If you're like gross, <laughs> but I, like I have heard that they exfoliate you like crazy. And yeah. then um, and then you sit in like a steam room and then you sit on like, you know, I, there's a sand room or a, a, what am I trying to say? Uh, the salt room. Yes. They have a gold room and they have different oh rooms that you go into and they tell you what they, um, what they treat. So if you have like poor circulation, they have a, a room for that. If you're wanting to boost your immune immune system, they have something for that. And when <laughs> I leave, I feel so light. And it's like, I, I go in there and because you're in and out of different temperature settings, you have to drink so much water. So I'm yeah. so hydrated when I leave. I'm so relaxed. And I sometimes I get a, a private massage. Sometimes I don't, but you do have to like, bathe yourself and cleanse yourself because it's very, very clean in there, you know? And so before you go out into the general area, you do have to like, you know, bathe yourself, get scrubbed down and stuff like that. Oh my God. Like, I, so this is what I've heard and I've never tried a place. And really, I just need to find a place near me that it that you can trust. And it that's what's hard is like, you it, unless you know about it, like how do you um, and obviously it's a luxury. So I just had to ask, yeah. I, I know it's not accessible to everyone, but I had to ask what kind of stuff you did. Yeah. Um, and thank God you are a runner. I, I just can't, I am just not that person. Um, I, I love working out, but I, I just can't do it. So, um, are you like a race runner? Do you do like marathons? Well, I'm not that good. Okay. 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 <laughs> I am. Right. I do. I do. The most that I have done so far has been a 10K. I'm working up to a half okay. marathon, but I am not competitive. Like literally, I started running because of anxiety. Okay. And um, and it really is. It really helps just detox you and just calm you down. And so, I probably took some people probably go as slow as a snail, but I don't stop. 
you know, and um, I know I can go the long distance, you know, so I'm not one of those ones in the little shorts and they're going super fast. No, I'm not that, but I'm not the last one to finish either. Okay. Okay. And then you mentioned just taking time off and that has actually come up. I think it was episode seven and, and multiple episodes. Some people are really good about that. But Mm -hmm. a lot of healthcare workers just flat out don't take their PTO. Like they just don't use it. And so it is a theme that I've noticed a few of my guests are really good about that. And so Mm -hmm. I love hearing that. We have a job that does not, it, it can wear on us physically. It can wear on us mentally. And especially as nurse practitioners, I was really shocked at how much it wears on me mentally because people pour They like dump on us, you know, like we are the most trusted profession and that's for a reason. And so people, people have cried on my shoulders. I have had to pray with people. People have told me some of the most horrid stories and you would be fooling yourself if you don't feel like you take that with you. Right. Okay. And so we have to take some time to like unplug. And so, like I said, like every so often, like every so many months, like as I'm making my schedule and putting it in and stuff like that, I'll put in like, you know, maybe I'll just take off two days and then I'll have a long weekend and I'll take that time to go do the things that I want. And even if that's just taking a nap, you know? And so when I come back that next Monday, you know, I am fully refreshed and I'm not on wit's end. Growing and learning your own self-care routine, it sounds like, has really been beneficial for you. Yeah, it has. It's so funny that we really didn't talk about diabetes very much. Uh, so <laughs> so um, if people want to get some diabetes resources or connect with you, um, how can they find you, Kim? Well, um, I'm primarily... I really love the internet and I love social media. You know, um, I've been able to connect, even connect with you through Instagram. And that's the platform that I typically I'm on often. And so on Instagram, my handle is at the diabetes MP. I also have a YouTube channel and it is Kim E, the diabetes MP. And basically what my goal there is just to be um, a resource for nurse practitioners who serve um, patients that have diabetes. I started myself, the way that I got into diabetes management was just trying to stay up on top of it myself, trying to learn. I started taking courses and doing certifications and things to align me with that. And um, I learned that I really like it. It's like a puzzle for me. And this is my way of giving back, you know, because it's something that comes very naturally to me, something that I enjoy doing. If anyone is actually like, seriously, ellisdiabetes.com, I I have checked out Kim's website and there's tons of free resources on nutrition, on mm-hmm. on pre-diabetes, like screening. There's something called the NP Starter Pack, which yes. also is just a great resource for maybe new grads out there. So I, I just want to encourage people, check it out. Um, because it's a great resource that I found out there. So thank you so much, Kim, for coming on the show today. It was lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And listeners, I will be back in your ears next week.
You can extend a dose of support even further by visiting us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, or by giving us a rating or review. You can always support the show monetarily on patreon.com slash dose of support. Dose of Support is written, organized, emails, edited, produced, published, all the things by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by John Schreier. I'm punching out this week, but I will be back in your ears next week for another Dose of Support.